welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Sam. On today's episode, we'll be chatting all about private practice season five, episode 13. Episode 13, The Time Has Come, was written by Jennifer Cecil and directed by Mark Tinker. It aired on February 2nd, 2012. Enjoy! On today's episode, I am joined by the Christina to my Meredith, the Ann Perkins to my Leslie Nope, the Lady Mary to my Lady Sybil, the Jessica Fletcher to my classic typewriter, my person, this is my big cousin, Caitlin. Hi, everyone. (laughs) It's very good to have you on. It's so good to be back. What are you reading and or watching right now? Well, I'm about to start reading a book I'm excited about. Um, I love the Thursday Murder Club series by Richard Osman. And the fourth book in the series just came out uh, in September a few weeks ago. So I'm excited to read it. It's called The Last Devil to Die. And I really like the first three. Yeah. I just thought that really weird. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's on my list, that whole series. Where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at storiedlane. Perfect. Oh, I want to first start by sharing a bit of upsetting news. I got a notification on my Prime today that private practice will be leaving Prime on October 15th, 2023. So that's uh, before this episode comes out. So basically, if you're looking to watch it there, you got to watch it on Hulu if you're streaming. Hmm. Streamers are just truly out of control at the moment. All right, so earlier this month, Caitlin and I went to go see The Sound Inside with Amy Brennan. That was amazing. I still can't believe we saw her perform live, and we were, like, one of the first few rows. Yeah. That was so amazing we got to see her live. I have loved her in everything I've ever seen her in. She's always amazing. Yeah. Um, I've been a fan of hers since the 90s or early 2000s. Back with Judging Amy, um, I was probably a little too young to be watching this show, but <laughs> I liked it nonetheless, and I've just always loved um, her art, basically, and so that was so cool to see her, and we were in the first few rows, we were like right up close. The show was not what I expected it to be, yeah. it's definitely, um, I think I had heard it described as a thriller, I'm not sure... I felt, like, scared like I sometimes do with thrillers, but it was definitely kind of, like, psychological twists and turns. like Suspense. Suspenseful, what's real, what's fiction. And it was only two people in the show, and I just thought they both did an amazing job. And Amy really just, um, I mean, I was just blown away. It was a really fun and special night. Yeah, and Anders Keith was the other actor in it. And I, we don't want to say too much about the plot for if you decide to see it, although it closes today, so I guess you're not going to. But if you see another production of The Sound Inside, I would see it even if it didn't have them in it. Yeah, it was it was a really great show. It was written by Adam Rapp, and it was also, it really grabbed you because there was no intermission. Yeah, I love yeah, when there's no intermission. I love no intermission. It was just 90 minutes long, and I never felt like you know, okay, where's this going? Or, yeah. all right. Or like, when is this over? When is this over? Like It ended and I was like, that's it? Yeah. Like, I was definitely enthralled with it the entire time. And I loved how they did the sound effects in the show. And the lighting. The lighting. And the design, everything. The set. It was just so well done. And the Pasadena Playhouse, they won a Tony this year um, for regional theater. And 
I I just love going there. They have the most fantastic shows, and this, you know, definitely one of them. Yes, yeah. It had a few similarities with private practice storylines that we have seen. I will say that. Um, not necessarily Violet storylines, but also I put this on our Instagram, but, and this is the highest compliment you can ever give an actor, in my opinion. I forgot that she was Amy Brenneman. Like, I forgot that she was Violet Turner up there. And I don't know if that's stage versus screen, if that's long hair versus short hair, if that is 10 years after this, but I forgot that it was her, and that's a testament to the storytelling and the acting. Yeah, it definitely grabbed me, and I felt completely immersed in the show. Um, And I just thought Amy was perfect casting for that role. Oh, definitely. She just completely nailed it. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's all there is to say. Yeah, big fan of Amy over here. I feel like we don't have anything else to talk about at the top. I don't think so. Yeah, so... we should just get right into it. Yeah, let's get into it, dear listeners. Let's go to our patient breakdown for the episode. We have first notes and miscellaneous, per usual. We have Addison Forbes Montgomery. Again, no diagnosis. We have Rick Andrews with PTSD. We have Erica Warner with a gliosarcoma, seizures, and a concussion. We have Mason Warner with facial lacerations and a chest abrasion. And then I have a section about Violet and Pete as well. What is your first note? Uh, So the episode opened with Addison in therapy talking about how much she hates surprises and hates surprise parties and how it's not supposed to be what love feels like. And really just what I could think of is how much I also hate surprises and I also hate surprise parties or really surprises of almost any kind. So um, I don't always agree with Addison, but I definitely did right away in the beginning. Yeah, I said she is so right about the lead up to surprise parties. My first note is when he comes in to Violet's house with the coffee and he gives her just a little kiss on the nose. That was so cute. But then I said, OMG, Lucas and Pete coming in. Whoop. Also, though, I'm confused because it makes sense that he would have a key to the house. But a few episodes ago, he gave the key back because Violet was like, we need boundaries. You can't just be coming in at any time. And then he said, don't worry, I know where you keep the key. But I just was confused about how he let himself in because Lord knows she's not leaving her door unlocked, at least I hope. But he doesn't have a key of his own anymore, which also doesn't make sense because he should have a key to her house. Although he thought she wasn't going to be there. I'm talking in circles, but I'm hoping you're following, dear listeners. They can't hear you nod your head. I I couldn't think of what to say. (laughs) You say, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was distracted by Ruthie. (laughs) Ruthie's in... uh, in rare form today, Dog of the Pod is very, she has spilkies, as I would say. Yeah, that's confusing if he gave back the key in a previous episode, but he didn't think she was going to be there, so that's probably why he didn't knock, and maybe if she had the key under the mat or something, then he just grabbed it from there. That is that is also what I'm thinking. I just would like to double down with the fact that A, she should not be living here, and thankfully we're looking for a new place to live, and B, someone who has that who has had that many tragedies in their home should not just hide a key outside for someone to find. That would be logical, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but are we logical here? No. no. 
that's all my real first notes. Should we move on to Addison Ford's Montgomery? Let's do it. So I love driving. It's, uh, I get nauseous when I'm not driving and anxious when I'm not driving. Not meaning like when I'm sitting on the couch, although I'm not saying I'm not anxious when I'm sitting on that couch. But what I mean is if we're driving a far distance, I want to be driving it. So if I was driving to Palm Springs, which I have, I would drive. Which I love because I hate driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So We're it works a good team. Out really well. We're a good team. But when Jake was like, a man drives, I rolled my eyes. Yeah, that was a bit much. I didn't like that. But then when she said, I get to choose the music, that's fair. Yeah. At the top of the episode, Jake says, I've never officially been dumped. And Addison, the whole time at that diner restaurant, was like, You're so perfect. How could anyone dump you? But In the last episode, Addison said, Sam is the perfect man. So Sam and Jake are both the perfect man. Does she just say every man is perfect? Because I know that's not true. Yeah, I didn't really like that whole diner scene in general. And I don't feel like it added anything to the episode. I feel like it just could have been cut and left out. There's a lot of fat phobia in that scene, and I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, it it made me really uncomfortable and... Has not aged well. It was really not an okay conversation. Yeah. And it just was mean. And it did nothing to move the plot of the episode forward. Other than just be mean and almost an attempt to be funny. And I just think it should have been left out. Yeah, it seems very... It seems to be in conflict. It seems to be very much in conflict to Addison's character and Jake's character. And I. that's all we're going to say about it. If you want to watch it fine but we're not gonna talk about that scene anymore than yeah. it needs to be yeah it was not cool no anything before they get to the hotel I was just trying to get a sense of their dynamic I guess it was friends it was flirty it was colleagues and um I hadn't seen a couple of the previous episodes so I was try- just trying to get a sense of like what their relationship was at the moment which I think ended up kind of being a bit of their theme throughout the episode because it seems like they were trying to figure that out too. So I yeah. guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. We both, we watched the episode together right before recording and when they're at the concierge desk and the concierge thinks they're together, which is like reasonable, fine, they came in together, whatever. And then when the concierge says to Jake, so you're here alone. And Jake just like doesn't notice that She's coming on to him. And then we get a shot of her that's, like, very embarrassed. And I liked that she was embarrassed. I didn't like that she said something like that, though. It feels very The person working at the hotel. It was... I just thought that was so weird. (laughs) It was just so weird. Yeah. There, There were just a couple scenes that I just think didn't... They weren't really necessary. Yeah. Jake says that... Addison is the Meryl Streep of maternal fetal medicine. One of my favorite one of her nicknames. That was pretty funny. I liked that. Yeah. I really was struck, though. She has on a silk shirt that we'll hear about later. And I just don't think that that silk shirt is ever going to recover from an entire night with a sticky name tag on it. And it just never wrinkled. Yeah. Which... (laughs) That's the most unrealistic thing, too. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like silk shouldn't have sticky material stuck to it for that long. Yeah. Or at all. We'll need to talk about that outfit. Yes, that's my Sam style. 
Should be. Yes, so we'll get we'll get back to it later. Yeah. The wallpaper in Jake's hotel room is so loud. It's like sunbursts or flowers or something. It just is not calming. I feel like hotel wallpaper should be like blue, yellow, green, waves. That's so funny. I can't even think of what it looked like. It was I didn't so, even notice. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so bright and loud. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I thought that it was very nice that he moved her presentation because she clearly was going to miss it. I find it hard to believe she was able to recover from that hangover in the way that she did, but I guess he was surprised by that too because he said that in the car on the way home. Yeah. Um, But I thought it was very sweet that he took care of it for her. He didn't kind of like shame her or embarrass her or make her feel bad. I thought... He was just very much just kind of like a good person, a gentleman to her and that got her bit food. Of, got her food. He just I don't know, sometimes I feel like it's rare to see someone just make so many right choices in a row sometimes. It's almost like he's we're... a written fictional character. Yeah, like I feel like I see these characters do a lot of things where I just want to be like why stop like what are you doing (laughs) and he just seemed to make a lot of good choices this episode yeah jake is like all the best parts of Derek, with all the bad stuff taken out oh interesting he has the professional chops Mm -hmm. he's kind he does grand gestures that aren't really grand gestures But he, you know, doesn't bring her down and say that he's the only one that can be good. He very much respects her. Yeah. And I did think it was cute when she was saying, we're colleagues, I shouldn't be behaving like this. And then he kind of subtly threw in there, we're not just colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. And then when she first woke up at 1 p.m., apparently, and he says again, he brings the beginning, when he says, I'm driving the car, what he says now is, I'm driving. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot to write that down. Yeah, that that was... It was sweet. He was sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I initially didn't like, at the beginning, the whole the man drives conversation, but I, I liked Jake this episode. Yes. Overall. Yes. Me too. Anything else about Addison or the conference? I don't think anything else about the conference. Um, just... At the end of the episode, when she's talking to the therapist again, kind of like bringing everything full circle to how it started, she's talking about how she reads the last chapter first because she likes to know what's coming, whereas Sam has said to her it's more about the journey, but that's not true for her. And it loops back to that whole, you know, not liking surprises conversation from the beginning of the episode. Um, and I, I just thought that was interesting, and we can talk about it later, but the way they kind of juxtaposed that with him, I guess, picking up his sister from, from jail, um, you know, it, it, was a, it was a nice contrast. Yeah. We very quickly meet Corinne in this episode. We don't know her name is Corinne yet, but... Oh, is that the sister? Yeah. Oh, okay. His sister's name is Corinne. That's Anika Noni Rose, who I've been so excited to show up on our screens since the beginning of the series, basically. She is the voice of Princess Tiana. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's and great. many, many other things. Did but we know that he has a sister? He's mentioned it. Okay. In the past. Um, something like she 
has mental illness. She's on the street. He doesn't know if she's dead or alive. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, they tried to, you know, keep her in the house, keep tabs on what she's doing, where she is, but it didn't work. And she is somewhere, and then he doesn't know if she's dead or alive. So he mentioned it briefly. Okay. Yeah, when it was kind of like just on his face at the end I was waiting for him to say like yes that's my I was like because I was trying to figure out who was this person to him I had no idea patient wife patient wife ex-girlfriend yeah I mean I had no idea on to Rick Andrews with PTSD this was a tough one this was so sad yeah we're gonna be talking about assault in this section of the episode so if that is not something you want to listen to check our show notes for the timestamp so you can avoid that. What's your first note on Rick? You know, I immediately thought something was kind of weird with his wife because she was playing this role of, like, I'm a supportive wife because my dad was a wounded veteran. I know what it is to be a military wife. I she, I don't know, she, she tried to play this, like, super emotionally intelligent role with like we need to come to therapy it's not the same and everything and I'm definitely all for therapy but what I didn't like about her behavior was how she was kind of acting like a know-it-all a bit in terms of her husband's feelings or emotions um, because she didn't know what happened to him but she was just kind of Annoyed with him taking so long to heal. Yeah and just because she didn't see any kind of physical wound the way that her dad had you know like a visible wound and um I really didn't I didn't like how she was just kind of spilling her husband's kind of private business without letting him speak for himself and I get that he didn't really want to or he wasn't ready but it's I guess it's maybe one thing in a therapy session though it still made me uncomfortable but like when they were at the elevator with Sam and Sam wanted to come over and he said he was busy and she said he just mopes around. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. to me, that just showed, like, there's something off here and there isn't, like, a real trust or partnership here because how can he kind of, to me, like, trust her and how can he feel safe in opening up to her about, you know, what happened to him if she's just going to so freely share and advertise what he's going through and so I minimize yeah and minimize yeah and and assume that she knows everything or whatever and yeah she just she rubbed me the wrong way though I do like that she got them in therapy yeah good first step but it fell off the rails after that yeah yeah pretty much we find out that Sam referred them to Sheldon and at first I thought he was just referring them to Sheldon in his, you know, doctor yeah. hat. Yeah, yeah, In his general practitioner hat. But we find out that they know each other from church. And Rick created, started, uh, ran, something like that, uh, a program for at-risk youth with Sam. So that's how they know each other. And that makes more sense because I don't often hug my PCP. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. I it was weird at first night and I and I was thinking to myself, 
they blur the lines with their patients a lot. Is this one of those times? So I'm glad that they clarified that they were actually kind of friends, not yeah. doctor-patient. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like how in Murder, She Wrote, Jessica Fletcher has a zillion nieces and nephews. It seems like it's usually Addison or Naomi and Sam who know these people from something or another. Yeah. When Sam, is it, no, Sheldon. When Sheldon finds Rick at home, unconscious. No, Sam. Because he was going to go over, remember? You're right, it is Sam. Yeah. When Sam finds Rick unconscious in his backyard, he calls an ambulance to 5110 Patrick Henry. So I looked that up because the house looks familiar. I think the house is in Pasadena. But the address, which obviously they're not going to match the address to the house, you know, it's not, it is probably a real person's house. But the address that he says is, is a real address and it's near San Francisco. Yeah, that, that was so sad and it broke my heart when they were back in the hospital and he woke up and he said like, why am I alive or why am I still here? Yeah. It was just so sad, clearly in so much pain. Yeah, you said something to me while we were watching like they can't just keep him there but what I think happened is that he was held for 72 hours because he's a danger to himself oh okay yeah 51 yeah I was you're right I was wondering how they were able to force him to stay um and then when they touched him he fought back and they had to restrain him and it was just really sad I don't have any notes about this because I was frankly so disgusted by it, but the wife talking to Sam being like, well, no, first she talks, did she talk to Sam first or the husband first? She talked to the husband first. So when he kind of calmed down and was talking to Sheldon, he told Sheldon about the assault that happened to him. um, By his sergeant. By his sergeant. And then... Sheldon talked to him about his different kind of paths he could take to trying to heal or be on a healing journey from this. And a lot of it involved the decision about whether or not to tell his wife what had happened. And what I really liked about that conversation was, again, a lot of times when I watch the show, I feel like the doctors get overly involved in their patients' lives and in telling them what they should and should not do based on their own life experience and, like, beliefs and everything. And and I've seen them force patients to do or say things to people they love that they just weren't ready to do. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about Sheldon was that he really kind of clearly described and defined, like, the different options for Rick – but didn't, you know, and definitely I feel like gave him his advice on what would be like the help, maybe a healthier path. But he didn't, at least from what we could see, like force him. Yeah. Or say this is your only option. You have or, to do it now. Or when the wife is in the room, start talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like he really respected that confidentiality and, and let Rick make that choice for himself, which again is something I feel like I wish I saw more on the show. So I <laughs> liked that. Yeah. Yeah. The wife says she just doesn't see him the same way and is confused about him. It's a really horrible take. It, it was a that scene was so hard to watch. The things she said to Rick when he was telling her what happened just 
I was, I almost couldn't watch the scene. It just upset me so much. The way she handled it, the way she spoke to him, all the things she said, it could, I mean, it was pretty awful. Yeah. It, it was, it was terrible. And even if she needed to react and cope in her own time, she needed to not react that way to her husband right after he tried to, you know, let her in on his and, and trauma. I, yeah. Yes, and after he took such a drastic step to try to end his own pain. I mean, I just was so honestly, like, disgusted by that entire <laughs> scene. It was so upsetting to watch. Yeah. The few scenes in a row, too. Yeah. This episode was written by Jennifer Cecil. We have a lot of episodes by her, but it it's just very weird to me, but also makes... It's weird to me that this happened, not that it's not realistic because I know that it is realistic but it is very strange to me that those scenes with the wife with the husband and the wife with Sam is in the same episode as that really weird scene with Kate uh, Kate <laughs> wait isn't that the wife's name though Kate Kelly Kelly I, I was thinking Kate Walsh with Addison and Jake in the diner because those were both really weird scenes. Yeah, there, there were, I don't know, there were a couple instances that just felt like really off in this um, episode. And yeah, I, I, I was just really upset by Kelly's reaction. I was glad to hear how Sam talked to her about it and that she came around to, I don't know, having any sort of like empathy for him. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like she tries to play or had been trying to play the part of what as she called it, being a military Mil- wife yeah. without actually being a partner. Yeah, institutions change and I think she was thinking of being a military wife in the way that her mother was to her father. The way things appear. Yes. I think she was kind of caught up in the way things should be. Mm-hmm. And not supporting who is in front of you. Yeah. And I'm sure that was a really hard thing for her to also personally hear what happened to someone she loved and work through her own feelings about it. But I just felt like she couldn't have been, like, more insensitive to him. And I'm glad that the conversation with Sam helped her understand it in a different light Mm -hmm. and that she then kind of came back and seemed... She came back and she seemed like... She was going to, you know, be a, a bit more supportive and understanding of, of what he was going through and kind of, like, try to stick through it with him. Um, but really just the whole thing just made me very sad. And again, I know that this is a way that a lot of people would and have responded to this situation. And so I guess there is an argument to be had that because of that, it should be shown as it was shown. I don't know. It was just hard to watch as a person. And something I really like that Sam said that I think resonates well for people that maybe their first instinct is to react as Kelly reacted, as he said something like, your dad came home missing part of his leg from Vietnam. He was injured in Vietnam your husband was injured in Afghanistan. You just can't see it like you can see your father's wound. Yeah, but it doesn't mean he's not wounded. Exactly. And so I think that really got through to her, and it made her kind of 
understand. So I, I think she I think she grew a lot in that episode mm-hmm. over the course of it. But yeah, that just that whole storyline was just really sad. But I'm glad that Rick did tell her and it seemed like though it's going to be difficult, they're gonna, you know, be on the kind of healing journey together and I was really glad that she came back in the end yeah I really thought she was gonna take her ring off and give it to him though when uh he put his hand out in the hospital room I was like he's she's gonna give her ring back yeah thankfully she didn't but I thought that's what was gonna happen anything else for Rick I don't think so I just hope that he's able to um continue working with Sheldon because I feel like you know, sometimes it takes a bit for a patient and a therapist to have the right matchup. Not everyone works together. And uh, I just hope that they continue with Sheldon because I, I feel like he was really, you know, able to help them. Mm-hmm. On to Erica Warner with a gliosarcoma, seizure, and a concussion. And we're going to talk about her and Mason Warner with a facial laceration and a chest abrasion. We find out that. Erica fell asleep driving to school, or that's what Mason says, but what really happened is she had a seizure, and the tumor made her have a seizure, and then she, they say blacked out, but I think passed out is probably a more accurate term. Yeah, some, she was unconscious in some way. I was really happy to finally have a Violet and Cooper scene, because in our last episode with Mimi, we were talking about how we haven't really seen them as friends, and I feel like... They, back in time, they heard us talking about that, and they were like, oh, that's right, let's put a Violet Cooper scene in here. <laughs> <laughs> so we had, like, two or three, and yeah, I, had, I loved that. They had some good scenes together, yeah. Yeah, they haven't really had a lot of scenes together this season. Yeah, this story was also obviously so sad, and I really felt especially bad for Mason, because he just has no idea what's going on, yeah. and he's just seeing a lot of scary things and having traumatic experiences, and... No one's really um, talking to him about it yet because I guess they haven't decided how to. Um, and then they uh, there was a conversation about well, does knowing someone is going, you know, is not going to make it ahead of time actually help you prepare any better for it? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I guess they were still deciding how they wanted to tell Mason. But um, what I I thought was interesting with the characters on the show with all the doctors is how they were talking to Cooper about his anger and what he was really angry about. Yes. Um, And that was mainly conversations with Violet and with Charlotte. And I thought that they both really said some helpful things to him that while he was aware of why he was really angry, it helped him pause and understand it a little bit better. And then um, I feel like he was able to then also help Erica as yeah. well. And um, it seems like by the end of it, they were moving in a more positive direction with her deciding to fight the, the tumor. Yeah, and there have been discussions about that, but... I think maybe now it is more real to her than it has been. Yeah, because now something happened that, you know, put her son in danger. Yeah. And now, you know, even when he went to tr- hug her afterward and she had another seizure, it's like she can't hide this from him anymore. Yeah. And so she had to make some choices 
um, that I'm sure were terrifying. But how horrible to be eight years old and hug your mom and then she tightens up and you think you've hurt her. I hope they put him in therapy. <laughs> well, his, uh, well, Violet's not his godmother, but his father's best friend is a therapist, and you know she's the best one around, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really can't imagine how confused and scared Mason probably was throughout all of it. Oh, yeah. Um, but the good news for him is there are a lot of people who love him, um, so he's going to be supported no matter what happens. But I also just felt so sad for um, Erica, too, because, I mean, what an existential, yeah. terrifying um, situation she's in. And I thought that scene towards the end of their story with her and Cooper, um, when Cooper wasn't yelling at her anymore, yeah. was... Uh, was good yeah we get that shot of charlotte and mason playing game boy outside oh my gosh they were so sweet yeah that was very very sweet my note you say cooper isn't yelling at erica anymore yell and when he started i was just i'm trying to come at this from like a reasonable place it's not reasonable to yell at her but i guess it is understandable he was scared and angry and yeah he um, and in shock and in shock, and he reacted on impulse. And, you know, I, did he have reason to be angry? You know, you could say she did know these things could happen to her. She could know all of these things. But um, the reality is she's obviously never gone through this before yeah. and was probably in a bit of denial, I'm assuming, herself. And I doubt she would have ever willingly chosen to put Mason in danger. So I totally understand his anger um, but clearly that wasn't the right way to handle or address that, and he was just acting out of, you know, shock and impulse. Correct. Cooper says no more driving with Mason in the car, which I think is reasonable. Yeah. Um, she shouldn't be driving at all anymore, because she could... Hurt someone she else. She could kill someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a hard storyline. Yeah, <laughs> it's really sad. It ends with Cooper saying, please fight. Because in our last episode, or two episodes ago, Erica goes to Amelia and says, if you were me, would you have this treatment? And Amelia says no. And there's, again, this stages of grief with Cooper. And Cooper says, you know, I know what stage I'm in. You don't have to tell me. I've all gone over it with Violet. Yeah. (laughs) But I've lost my train of thought. But... Erica decided in the last episode not to have treatment, and now, and Cooper was, you know, okay with that. He accepted it, but now that things have gotten a little bit more real, he says, please fight. Although, I do have to say, Cooper said to Erica in that scene, at the least it will show Mason that you care. Oh, that was not, that was not, that was like just trying to guilt her. Yeah. Like, obviously she cares, maybe... She chose not to fight because she didn't want Mason to see her. Yes. She didn't want, maybe she didn't want Mason to see her go through that. So I get the, you know, fight for Mason, but to show him that you care, you're, that was a good call out. That, he shouldn't have said that. That no. was not, that was not okay. Just because you are not having treatment does not mean that you do not care about your own life or about those around you. Yeah, 100%. Anything more for Erica and Mason? I don't think so. I just... I hope they have a happy ending. 
Okay. But they probably don't. Makes me sad. On to Violet and Pete. I really just want to say that crime scenes do not get cleaned up that quickly. If Violet's bruise is still healing on her, you know, nose and under her eyes, if that bruise is still he- is still healing, there's no way that crime scene is cleaned up. I must not have been very observant in this episode because I didn't notice the wallpaper. And I also, like, never noticed a bruise on her face. It was like, huge. I just I didn't see it. I don't know. <laughs> I think I was distracted by her hair because she cut her hair so short. I don't know. And who the heck this guy Scott was because I hadn't seen him before. And so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I didn't notice the bruise. I didn't notice the wallpaper. It's a lot going on in I your head. I don't know. Maybe I was just excited about my snacks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we made a beautiful cheese board. It's delicious. We had dill Havarti. We had Guillermo cheddar. And we had brie, of course, always brie. With fig jam. Oh, the fig jam. I knew that was a good choice. And green olives. Yes. And then we had our veggie sticks and then our Trader Joe's Takis. Those are so good. If Trader Joe's Takis want to sponsor this podcast, that would be great because they run, this podcast runs on Trader Joe's Takis. It's why I started eating them. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, I actually really enjoyed a lot less Violet and Pete because their relationship can be toxic and they just never, in the episodes I've seen, they've just never been on the same page. No. And always seem frustrated with each other. And I feel like if you're, as Violet does with Cooper or other people, if you're like complaining about your partner and having all these issues and it's like a point of gossip for your friends, that's not great. Yeah, they are much better (laughs) as co-workers than they are together. And they're not even great as co-workers. No. But Pete has, Pete in the last couple episodes has been great, but this episode, not. Yeah, they just, I actually, I actually kind of like that this wasn't really a major plot line in this episode, because sometimes their relationship or their plot line, I just feel like, from the episodes I've seen, I feel like we're just in circles. Yeah, like, like we've done this before. We've done this, they're both stubborn, she tries to talk about his feelings, he feels like she's analyzing him, yeah. and he's not in therapy, and it just seems like, okay, we get it. <laughs> also, like, that's on him, because if you're marrying a therapist, what do you expect? Yeah, and it's just like, he, I, I don't know, I would just have felt for a, a bit now, like, okay, like, work on this or don't. Like, the, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're just, you're treading water. And no, if you're separated... You're separated, and it doesn't matter who she's dating. I understand not wanting him near Lucas, but again, like, he's not a bad guy. You know this guy. He's a paramedic. He's a good paramedic. And, like, his whole argument that it was okay that he slept with someone else because that was a one-time thing, and it's different than, like, seeing someone repeatedly who he works with. Yes, those things are different, but, like, he, he, it's like he wants to leave her, but then also still have say over how she's living her life and when it involves their son okay you know yes (laughs) him saying please don't do that around my son okay but he Um, also was not supposed to be there he yeah yeah they were early and they just came in which is why you knock i get they didn't think she was going to be there the whole thing was like a misunderstanding but the son didn't actually see anything and it seems like she is trying to take care with that yeah and it seems like pete is just angry and I would describe him as having been angry for a very long time all all season yeah so um I think 
you know, I, I don't I don't know where this is going to go for them, but it did kind of feel like they needed to take a break. Can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know what my Caitlin's knowledge is yet. I really am still... We're just going to go person by person. Yeah. And we'll be good. Yeah. I love Pete and Charlotte talking about scheduling because that is something very important in a hospital and we've never seen it. And I'm glad that we see them talking about scheduling. He's like, oh, yeah, that's wor- that works because that's a night I don't have Lucas. Or let me work here so I can not be here then. Yeah. And then his interaction with Scott in the hospital, I actually felt like even though Scott is clearly much younger, he was much more, like, professional about yeah. it. Like, he was just saying hello and going about his business. He wasn't being weird. Yeah. And then Pete made it weird and then, like, threatened him and then shoved him. <laughs> <laughs> I have a note, my last, I'm, I'm, I, we haven't gotten all my notes yet, but my last note in this section is Pete loves pushing young men up against walls in that hospital, doesn't he? <laughs> he did it to Dell. he did it to Sam, now he's doing it to Scott. I feel like he's done it to other people, he's probably done it to Cooper. Yeah, I feel like I can never make sense of Pete and Violet Together or separately, like, some of the choices they make. Yeah. Also, just the wild things that happen to the, all the violence, all the... <laughs> I mean... I don't mean to laugh, but it is kind of funny. So, when you told me that there, you know, again, was this incident in her home, I was like, wait, a, a, another one? <laughs> <laughs> again? Well, that's why in our harbor practice no context that i put on instagram it was the bottom left hand corner was a haunted house for sale yeah i need to go back and look at that again because that's <laughs> gonna like make more sense to me um but like again that they're also like why don't you, why don't you sell the home also it's gonna be hard to sell the home and she's going to have to sell it for far less than what it would have been worth because she'll have to disclose that that happened and it's not the only thing that happened but like some people go for that some people do. It's a you niche market, but... You have to find the right buyer, I guess. I guess, There's yeah. a lot of di- different kinds of people out there, but... But she seemed... I guess I also just didn't notice the bruises on her face, because she just... If you hadn't told me something happened, I wouldn't have known. She was so just like... la la la, la. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, oh, you know, like, going about... I wouldn't have known. I guess that she, she didn't seem injured. She didn't seem upset. She, so I just, I don't know. I just, yeah. I noticed her hair. <laughs> I, I also have a note that says, I cannot believe that Violet is seeing patients with her face. I put patients like the virtue. Oh. <laughs> just ignore that. Patience. With her face banged up like that still. Like you'd think that she would take time off after being knocked out and having a man brutally murdered in her house. I don't know what's wrong with me that I just, I still... I never noticed her face was banged up. Well, she put makeup on on top of it. Okay, that's It's, like, meant why. to look like she tried she to, cover to cover it up. So it kind of just looked like weird lighting where, like, her eyes were sunken or she had, like, con- like contour in the wrong place. Is that why Scott kissed her nose? I think so. That was cute. It was very cute. And it's not like Pete walked in on some romp. No, they were... He just brought her coffee and they kissed. Yeah. He, he was angry about many other things and he didn't quite have the understanding of his anger that Cooper gained of his own. Exactly and Cooper says it's just Pete's ego talking which I liked and that's true much of the time. Oh yeah oh yeah. yeah my favorite thing that Cooper said because we have to remember Cooper knows Scott also as a paramedic not as Violet's boyfriend but he knows Scott 
And he said, I don't have the exact quote because I was laughing too hard, but something like, oh, it's good that as an only child, Lucas will have someone to share his toys with. (laughs) Because Scott is so young. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, and Sam once again talking sense into Pete. Mm-hmm. You brought that up before a little bit, but they can always help other people, but they can never help themselves. Yeah. All of our friends. Mm-hmm. Except yeah. for Jake. Yeah. He's always good. Do you have anything else about Violet and Pete? I don't. I'm okay. just ongoing confusion. Nothing about Scott, Hot Scott. I just like to no, say Hot Scott. No, I... I'm not sure I see it going anywhere because I don't know that she's realistically in a place for it to go anywhere. Yeah. But, um, you know, if people are happy and enjoying themselves and responsible about the kid, you know, be happy. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Adults. Yeah. All right. Miscellaneouscas. I didn't have much it was just Sam's sister showing up at the end and I didn't know he had a sister so just curious about what goes on there yeah curiouser and curiouser mm-hmm. my last note is Peg, um, Charlotte is always wearing our Peggy Lee Lotus earrings but this is the first time we've seen them in gold hmm. we've had Peggy on the podcast okay yeah Peggy is uh, she designed a lot of the jewelry that was on private practice oh cool all right, on to Sam's style. It is, as I said before, Addison in the hotel bar and later in Jake's room. It's the red satin, maybe silk shirt. It's very shiny and a very busy bought French twist hair style. Uh, that was a lot and a bit confusing because I feel like that is not a hairstyle that we think of as Addison. And I'm thinking, character-wise, it's because she's at this convention where she is, you know, the Meryl Streep of maternal fetal medicine. And she is there, not that she is not professional in the office, but she's, like, extra professional. And what she thinks extra professional is, is that hair twist. She has small, dangly diamond earrings and a simple silver necklace. And she has a black pencil skirt. I say, because I thought it was a pencil skirt, but then we see her just like so embarrassed on the bed <laughs> and her legs are open in their shorts. Yeah, I, I'm i not, it was a complicated outfit. It was, yeah. and There was a lot happening. It didn't really feel like her to me. No. I, I didn't love the hair. No, I and she has black pointy toe heels. Um, I think that it's because she is at a conference and she's like the professional, like, double board certified maternal fetal medicine surgeon. Yeah, it didn't feel true to her though, which I think is interesting. Yeah, yeah. All right, who's our guest star spotlight? Our guest star spotlight is Ashley Johnson, who played um, Kelly, Rick's wife, uh, who had the PTSD. So Ashley has just been in, I don't know, everything? Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Basically, forever. Going all the way back to Growing Pains in the early 90s. She was Chrissy Seaver. Um, she even voiced one of the characters in Recess. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's been in so much. Um, so I, I knew that I recognized her when I saw her. Um, yeah. Her, so then when we looked at her IMDb, I was like, oh, yeah. Her voice is in a lot, too. She's a voice actor. She was in the Jumanji series. She was in Ben 10. She, something else up here. Recess is really what got me though because she was Gretchen in recess 
She's been in a lot of TV shows as well. Mm-hmm. Similar to how she was in this episode. She was in The Help with Chris Lowell, a.k.a. Dell, right before this episode. Well, that's the credit that's right before this episode, I should say. She was also a waitress in the Avengers movie, which everyone wants to be in the Marvel-verse. She was in two episodes of CSI as two different characters, which I always think is fascinating. Three episodes of Drunk History which I love, 339 episodes of a show called Critical Role that I feel like I've heard of, but that's a lot of episodes. So yeah, you've probably seen or heard her in something. I don't think you can live your life and not see her or hear her in something. Mm-hmm. All right, our trivia for this episode. This episode scored 6.55 million viewers. For the depiction of male survivals of sexual assault, the team behind private practice cooperated with RAIN, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. That's also the same organization that they worked with during the Charlotte episode arc. This is trivia that I found because I was like, wow, that guy looks really familiar. Billy Malone, who plays Hendrix, who is the police officer that shows Sam to the cell, He also played John McNeil in five episodes of Grey's Anatomy. This is seasons 10 and 11. All three of his kids have genetic cardiomyopathy, and it is the case that took the cardio department from Christina to Maggie. Wow. Proud of myself for that. Good find. Thank you, thank you. I'm ready to hear about Caitlin's knowledge. You know, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Because I... Sometimes feel like I have good guesses coming out of the episodes. I, I don't know. I I feel like I don't. I'm not sure this time. <laughs> well, you started to noodle on a few things. Yeah. So you said you don't see Hot Scott and Violet lasting. No. Yeah. Not not in like a forever sense, but in a for now. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's go to Sam's sister since we just met her. Do you know enough to noodle? I don't really. I didn't even I didn't even know he had a sister. So I hope she's okay. I hope he's able to help her. I hope, you know, whatever it is we find out soon. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's go to Addison. I hope she can take some time to figure out what she wants and how she's feeling about it. And to do that in healthy ways. Okay. How about Jake? I feel like he knows he wants Addison. I like that he seems to really respect her and also be interested enough to wait until she's in a place yeah. where she's kind of moved through her grief with Sam and is ready to move on because they clearly like each other. I think there's a really good chance that they could make it work and be good. Okay. Uh, Sam, since we're on that. I have no idea. <laughs> How about Violet? I guess you kind of did that with Hot Scott. Yeah. How about Pete? I hope he finds a way to work through his anger and just also decide what direction he wants his life to go. And he just, the entire time I've seen him, he's just always so angry. And I hope he can find a way to let go of some of that because that's just got to be a lot to carry around. Okay. Cooper. We'll put Mason and Erica in with Cooper. You know, obviously I hope Erica can get treatment and she can get better. I don't know that that will happen, 
I'm glad that Mason has Cooper and Charlotte to be there for him regardless. And Cooper's in a really in a really tough spot too. Um and so I don't I just hope the best for them all. Charlotte. Charlotte. I really liked her dress. <laughs> <laughs> I also liked Violet's dress earlier in the episode. Oh the like, um, watercolor. No, the 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 businessy dress it had a, like a, a slit in the top. Oh. Like both are like business dresses. Charlotte I clearly regardless she's going to be playing a big role in Mason's life um and I thought that she was really sweet with him and I also um liked how she was able to help Cooper as well and last oh I guess that's not really that's me describing what I saw I guess Charlotte I think she'll continue to be like a strong grounding presence I hope she also has an outlet because this is hard for her too okay Sheldon. Sheldon, I hope he keeps working with Rick and Kelly. Do you have any thoughts on the two of them? Rick and Kelly? I think they're going to stay together, and I think Sheldon's going to help them work through this and get to a better place. Do you think we'll see them again? No. Okay. Is that because you just know how the show works, or because you think their story has done all it needs to do? I think it's how the show works. I also think, based on how the show works, even though they have a lot ahead of them, I don't know that the show would explore that because the show wrote its arc. Okay. And now we're at a point of now we know what what they seem to be doing. And I feel like that's usually when they leave things with patience, but I guess who knows. Okay. And last but certainly not least, although maybe least in this episode because she had like one line, Amelia. Was she even in it? Yeah. <laughs> One line. She did an exam on Erica, told Pete that she has a glio- that oh, Erica has a gliosarcoma, right. yeah, 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 and then yeah. she came in all cute to Cooper. Not cute. Cute's the wrong word. Respectfully to Cooper, being like, can we talk about this? And Cooper's like, they know. We're fine. I hope she gets more screen time. <laughs> Same. Same. All right. Ratings and MVPs. I'll, I'll start with MVP. Okay. My MVP is Sheldon. Okay. I thought he did a really great job helping his patients. And then I think Sam gave a nice little assist or support there, you know, towards the end with Kelly. But I just, I just really thought Sheldon did some real good in a non-toxic way way yeah yeah (laughs) like he respected people's boundaries and helped them and I just I felt like he did a really good job that's a good choice mine is Jake for taking care of Addison and not taking advantage of her vulnerability that's good this episode was weird because like a lot happened but at the same time not a lot happened yeah and there were I I would say it was kind of almost hard to choose an MVP also because there were a couple of people who and when I say MVP like I don't think anyone acted perfectly no one does act perfectly but I feel like I saw people acting better than I normally see them yeah so rating okay I know you don't have one so maybe mine will spark something Mm -hmm. mine is flying in slow motion and I don't mean like on an airplane I mean like on a carnival ride like the ones you know that one at Kennywood where you like are attached to something it's like skydiving yeah 
like that. Although I guess that doesn't really help most of our listeners. Um, kind of like skydiving on a trampoline where you're like up and down and up and down. And just Addison says she likes to know how things end. And this episode, we don't find out how anything ends. And I thought that oh, was really point. interesting. Good point. My rating is you are at the beach. It's the afternoon. It's maybe like 2 or 3 o'clock. It's like peak heat. You know it's going to be hot, but it's really hot and it's a little bit disorienting. And it makes sense, but you're also kind of ready for the next thing. Like maybe packing it up and going, getting dinner or whatever, but you're ready to like move on to the next thing. That's why we only go to the beach when we can wear sweatshirts. Yeah, I like the beach in the winter. Me too. So because this has been sort of a short episode, I want to do our overarching um s- overarching storylines trivia overarching trivia yes i don't think i can do jake yet though i just looked him up and there right, we need to wait a little bit for that we can do violet great wow okay so our trivia for dr violet turner Out of all of the characters that have been on private practice for all six seasons, Violet is the only one who has never been to Seattle Grace Hospital, nor any of the hospitals that were established there later on. That's funny, because the hospital has had so many names. Seattle Grace, Seattle Grace Mercy West, and uh, Grace Lone Memorial. That's (laughs) funny. Not funny that she hasn't been there. She should go. Violet thinks she can dance, but according to others, she really can't. Violet has had two abortions during a misspent youth. She plays air guitar. Violet does not like grass. I'm pretty sure that means the stuff that comes out of the ground. Violet drinks tea, not coffee, but she hates iced tea. She despises soup, though she drinks it when she is queasy. She is pro-choice. She likes Mark Twain. She isn't religious. The address of her home throughout most of the series is 326 Las Brisas Canyon. And there are a few in there that we couldn't do, but we got most of them. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at BHAB Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me at Samantha G. Harris on Instagram. And you can follow me at Storied Lane on Instagram. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and sharing it with a friend. It really helps people learn about the show and we might read your review on the podcast. You can also become a member of our patron community at patreon.com slash podcast. On our next episode, we'll be discussing Private Practice Season 5, Episode 14. They're available to stream on Hulu and Amazon for now and can be purchased on iTunes, DVD, and more. Or you can check them out from your local library. If you have thoughts you'd like to share with us on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. Thanks for listening. BHAB Podcast will be back in two weeks. TGIT.